up, nerds? ESPN Plus, the ESPN. You won't see a team play worse than my team played yesterday. The New York Jets' performance yesterday was an embarrassment. You, you hired somebody that doesn't even understand what an SC Trojan is all about. Like, stop! Hi, I'm Brian Barnhart, voice of the Fighting Illini, and this is your home for Fighting Illini Sports. 98.9, the game. And now, broadcasting live and local, from the 98.9 The Game Studios in Effingham, Illinois, it's the starting lineup with Travis Sparks. I don't know if I trust any Chris that spells it with a K. It's the starting lineup. Welcome in uh, to another day, uh, to another edition of the uh, starting lineup here on uh, the uh, podcast feed uh, today for the next couple of uh, days because Travis Sparks is hanging out with you here, flying a solo here. These songs remind me, it's getting close to uh, St. Patrick's Day. I need to ramp up my uh, St. Patrick's Day music on the show, so... Stay tuned to that in the next couple of days uh, for that. That song reminded me of that. What's happening out there here on this uh, Twisted Tuesday, uh, Taco Tuesday, whatever you want this uh, Tuesday uh, to be. I'm here to celebrate with you. Coming up here on the pod, got stuff to uh, talk about. We'll hit up on the NFL uh, free agency that I got off and running, including the uh, Bears making some uh, good moves yesterday to improve uh, their squad. Also hit up on the NCAA tournament, of course, and the uh, playing games officially start tonight. So I'll give you my official picks for those two games tonight. But even though they don't matter for any of your bracket pools or whatnot, I mean, and the second game with uh, Pitt and Mississippi State, you would think that that would be the one that is more significant than, you know, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and SEMO because basically the winner of that one will just get to lose to Alabama in the first round. So uh, we'll, uh, I'll explore that, and I'll even reveal, yes, I will reveal my South Bracket picks as, of course, uh, don't forget to – uh, join our bracket challenge over on the uh, uh, website, femradio.com. If you uh, click on that and if you go to our local sports tab, you can find our uh, local sports stories there. And the first one right there that I'm seeing right here in front of me is the bracket challenge that we got for you on ESPN. You can join the group. You can click on that on our website. And we got the link right there, and it'll go right to uh, the uh, group for us if you want to challenge against Eric and I and also a couple of people here at the uh, station as well. You can join the group. The starting lineup, a 989 is the group. But again, we made it a lot more simpler. Just go to the website and uh, click on uh, the uh, link there we have on our bracket challenge there to uh, join us and uh, see how you stack up against us. So I'll reveal my uh, south of brackets coming up here in uh, just a, a little bit. And I might explore the east and the uh, midwest uh, tomorrow is the uh, plan. And then I'll wait to reveal the west bracket. Uh, that's where we find the Fighting Illini. I'll wait to reveal that on a Thursday, of course, before the games uh, get started there. And the March Madness really begins, and all the bosses are wondering why everyone's staring at their computers more often or staring at their phones more often. Well, or watching March Madness for the first couple of days, uh, Thursday and Friday on March Madness season. There ain't nothing like it. And also hit up on uh, some uh, local sports. Not a lot happened in baseball and uh, softball. I don't think anything uh, really happened in our area there with the uh, postponements due to the weather and the cold temperatures. But I do believe that some are still a go. Two thumbs up for today's game. So I'll give you a set for the local schedule there. And we'll also hit up on uh, some other national sports, NBA, 
NHL. Gay of the World Baseball Classic from yesterday and uh, tonight with the USA is still in action as we put a beat down on those Canadians yesterday. Even in the first inning, I was like, what am I watching? The Cardinals and Braves in the postseason from a couple years ago in the first inning? Yeah, we we did what Mexico did to us the, the other day. Uh, we want to end a blowout. And so I'll get to that coming up here in uh, just a, a little bit. But, of course, the starting lineup would uh, not be possible without you find folks on the podcast feed, finding us wherever you find your favorite pods on iTunes, Spotify. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast as well, but also wouldn't be possible without McMahon Meets, Tingley Insurance Agency, Wet Pools and Spas, Worth Computer Repair, and uh, Teutopolis State Bank. We appreciate them uh, for coming along for the ride all right so since is this is just the podcast i'm just gonna hop right into it here no fancy imaging with first things first or anything nfl free agency already off and running yesterday how about it as the bears made us some moves early and often i think we told you about it on the show or within the pod yesterday uh, that the Bears uh, signed uh, T.J. Edwards from the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, the uh, linebacker. Then they also made another move at a linebacker position, uh, giving uh, the uh, former Buffalo Bill, Tremaine Edmonds, a four-year $72 million contract. That includes $50 million guaranteed. Of course, that was uh, reported by ESPN's guy Adam Schefter. And, this kind of worries me a little bit about the largest four-year contract for an inside linebacker for Edmonds, but I definitely love these two moves here from Edwards, uh, and he signed a contract worth $19.5 million, including $12 million guaranteed. I wondered what um, Roquan Smith thought about that move of signing uh, Edmonds to a four-year $72 million contract when Roquan, all he wanted to do was get paid by the Bears. But uh, I was talking with uh, Derek here at the uh, studio yesterday, we're going to have him on our snake draft show uh, coming up uh, closer to the NFL draft. And uh, make sure you stay tuned if you missed any of that information. But uh, we're talking about this uh, Roquan Smith contract and what he wanted out of the Bears. And you're basically getting two for the price of one. You combine uh, the contract with Edmonds and Edwards. That's kind of what Roquan was asking just for himself. So I guess in that aspect, it's a great move for the Bears. They get two for the price of one. And are these guys like Ray Lewis or uh, uh, Khalil Mack game changers? No, but they are great pieces to have to your team and uh, the more and more I read about Edmonds the more and more uh, that I love about him uh, here as uh, one of the cornerstones one of the pillars of the uh, Bills defense he's been a starter right from the jump he started all 74 regular season games he's been a part of and all eight postseason games that he's played in as well as he entered the draft in 2018 he was drafted out of Virginia Tech the 16th overall selection that season he's a two-time a pro bowler and has 100 plus tackles every season he has played so that is two thumbs up uh, for him he did battle some injuries as he only played in 13 games uh, with uh, some injuries this season but uh, coach Sean McDermott said that that was one of his best years uh, despite the injuries there so Big thumbs up adding to the uh, defensive side of the ball for the Chicago Bears. And they also were in on a lineman as well from the Tennessee Titans, Nate Davis. They signed uh, Nate to a three-year contract there. And uh, that was uh, sources uh, by ESPN reported that and then later confirmed by the NFL Network. And Davis started 54 games at right guard for the Titans over the last four seasons. He did have 12 starts this past season before an ankle injury landed him on the IR in December. But this is one of the big things for uh, him. His pass blocker win rate of 93.2% was the highest among Tennessee's offensive linemen last year. While he finished with a run block of 68.8% win percentage so uh, if you want to have Justin Fields time in the pocket to find his one of his new favorite uh, targets and maybe uh, the Bears still aren't done adding some pieces you never know but Davis is going to help out with that for sure and of course even though that run block win percentage of 68 percent it's pretty high but it's not as high as 93 obviously but 
one thing that does give you some hope is that he started all 16 games in his second season, and that helped Derrick Henry pave the way for the eighth running back in NFL history to rush for 2,000 yards or more. And then he returned in 2021 to start 14 games at right guard as the Titans finished with a 12-5 and record in the top seed in the AFC. So, you know, maybe that run block percentage isn't as high as the pass block percentage, but obviously still a, a good blocker. And, hey, he paved the way for Derrick Henry when he had a historic season there. So maybe you can do the same thing for uh, Justin Fields and whoever they can uh, combine with running backs uh, there. So awesome moves made uh, so far by the uh, Bears, of course, uh, trading away the number one pick. We talked about that yesterday. And then acquiring these guys. Are these guys that are going to be uh, A-plus, five-star players? Probably not, but uh, they are solid pieces that you need to help you to win. So Bears, significant upgrades yesterday to start off free agency. And then uh, we'll roll through some. I'll roll through the other signings. But another one that kind of significantly impacts us from a perspective of an EIU alum was Jimmy Garoppolo, as he is uh, planning on to sign with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Diana Rossini reported that. And then later, Adam Schefter. Uh, tag team on that and Garoppolo agreed to a three-year 67.5 million dollar deal including 34 million dollars guaranteed uh those were the details that were reported by uh, Schefter and he played for the Raiders of course he played for the Raiders Josh McDaniels uh when their time in New England there so Garoppolo off the market as signing with the Raiders Figured that this was going to be one of the targets if uh, they lost out on, you know, when Brady announced his retirement. Okay, we need to focus elsewhere. And uh, they didn't really hear any chatter of him being uh, talked about of signing with uh, the Raiders. I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that is, and still as I'm recording this podcast, everyone on ESPN waiting with bated breath of whether the deal is going to get done. I know Trey Wingo uh, reported that the deal was done and maybe his credibility is going to go down a little bit. I don't even know what he's doing now since he left ESPN, but a uh, deal has not yet been done, contrary to Trey Wingo's reports. And then later, Ian Rappaport would later contradict that and said that he hasn't heard anything about Rodgers. And, well, we still sit here today, and the deal is not done yet. He's still not a New York Jet as of yet. But I love that the uh, reports are coming out that uh, the Jets are interested in signing Alan Lazard. And on ESPN, the f- most funny thing about it was they're trying to reunite Lazard with the offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, that's the guy that they're trying to reunite him with in New York. Sure, I hear you. And then also uh, another target for the New York Jets in the coming days is possibly Randall Cobb as well. Did they want to reunite him with Nathaniel Hackett as well if he played there? I don't even know if he played there, but yeah, I wonder who they're trying to court, and I wonder who they're trying to sign there with those two signings. Hmm, I wonder. And also it was reported on the Pat McAfee show a little bit earlier that uh, they still, they, even they don't know the news. But uh, that was what ESPN said. And what I say is that I don't think him and Pat are even friends anymore. Uh, I mean, maybe him and AJ are still good, but I don't know about that. But uh, so uh, Garoppolo off of the uh, market, uh, the 49ers, they made some moves yesterday. They assigned uh, Sam Darnold. And uh, they also uh, sign uh, Javon Hargrove from the Philadelphia Eagles at defensive tackle. Man, you pair him up with uh, Bosa there on that defensive line. That's an awesome one, especially uh, if you think of Hargrove, who got through more double teams than anyone this past season, including Aaron Donald. He signed a four-year, $84 million deal with the uh, 49ers. So absolutely love that move by San Francisco. I thought that the Bears would be in on uh, Mike McGleechy from the uh, 49ers, an offensive lineman, but I guess when you signed Davis, you kind of were out on that, and uh, he eventually signed with the uh, Broncos, so I think that's a pretty good move for Denver to uh, try to shore up and help uh, their team. Also, uh, the uh, Jets in uh, Miami, they uh, agreed um, the the Dolphins agreed with a former Jets quarterback, Michael White, who led 
uh, the Jets to a couple of victories. Two years, $16 million deal, kind of insurance policy for if uh, Tua Tonga-Valoa gets injured. Uh, like the signing from the uh, Chiefs, they signed Juwan Taylor from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Offensive tackle, four-year, $80 million deal. Love that one. I also uh, saw that, um, let's see here, just scrolling down the uh, big list here that they have here on ESPN. Uh, Jesse Bates, the safety from the Cincinnati Bengals, looks like he's going to be signing with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Steelers reached an agreement with Patrick Peterson, and I thought it was funny that he later put a picture on uh, social media. I saw it on Twitter, uh, but he uh, pay- tweeted out a picture of himself uh, signing with the uh, Steelers, and he was in a number seven jersey. I'm assuming that's what he wore in his previous stop. I think he was with the Vikings. But uh, then, uh, whoa, 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 you can't wear number seven around here in Steelers country. And he later said, I know that Steeler, I know that number seven is not up for grabs. So looks like he's going to have to be switching numbers because, hey, you can't have a number seven without Big Ben. So that's a no-no for Patrick Peterson there. So it looks like he'll have to be switching numbers there. Um, let's see here. I already said that about a Darnold. Um, let's see here. Uh, Greg Zerloin, Greg the leg back with the jets. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, Bobby Ariki. Uh, he, uh, it looks like he's signing with the uh, giants. Of course, that was a former Colts linebacker there. Maybe I thought that the Bears were in on him, but obviously Edwards and Edmonds were signed. Uh, former Minnesota Viking Eric Kendricks looks like he's signing with the Los Angeles Chargers. The Broncos also made a move on their defensive line as well. They signed the Cardinals defensive end Zach Allen, three-year, $45 million deal. Looks like the Saints are re-signing Jameis Winston to a one-year, $4 million deal. So, Jameis not going anywhere. Looks like he's going to be the backup, though, for Derek Carr. Uh, the Bears also made uh, another move with the Titans, as I forgot about this one. Demarcus Walker, three-year, $21 million deal, $16 million guaranteed deal. So signed a couple of players from the uh, Tennessee Titans there. Uh, former L.A. Rams kicker Matt Gay is signing with the Indianapolis Colts. So the Colts lost the linebacker, but they gained a, a kicker there. Uh, Tyler or Taylor Heineke, of course, he uh, led the uh, Commanders to some victories there in his time in Washington. It looks like he's going to be signing with the Atlanta Falcons. And a source told uh, Michael uh, Rostin that Heineke is expected to enter training camp as the backup to Desmond Riddler, who uh, started the final four games of his rookie season in 2022. So when I thought that Heineke... I guess he's going to battle for the starting quarterback gig, but I thought he was going to be the starter. Guess not. I forgot about uh, Riddler there. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks are trading a veteran guard, a Shaq Mason, to the uh, Texans. Jeremy Fowler reported that deal. deal would include the team's flipping late-round draft picks as well. And Jacoby Myers, the uh, Patriot wide receiver, has agreed to a three-year contract with the Raiders worth $33 million, including $21 million guaranteed. He did have one of his better seasons uh, in a Patriot uniform this past year. So looks like he's going to be matched up with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo there next season in Vegas. And Raheem Morissette agreeing into a two-year deal back with the Miami Dolphins. And I think that is the latest up-to-date news on a free agency here as we have them there as again everyone just kind of waiting for uh, waiting for the news of uh, the uh, Rogers deal just to be waiting and again we'll probably have to wait for a little bit even though I did say a decision would be incoming soon whatever that means 
All right, so uh, let's uh, move on, and uh, let's move on to uh, some uh, local sports here. As I mentioned, you know, as we mentioned yesterday, a lot of the baseball and softball games got wiped out due to some weather and uh, some cold temperatures, so uh, they didn't happen. You don't have to worry about these sports. Volleyball, as uh, they're inside in a gymnasium, so they had no problem getting these games in. And in the eighth grade of volleyball level, did have some area teams advance to the uh, state championships there as in the sectional championship in a single St. Michael single St. Michael defeated Martinsville in two sets 25-8 25-13 so single St. Michael advances to a Kankakee Bishop McNamara the state tournament on a Friday and they'll be taking on a Grant Park in class 2a the Paris Crestwood sectional championship is Stu Straws one over Paris Crestwood in two sets 25-17 25-18 so Stu Straws, they advanced to the Auburn State Tournament on a Friday. And they'll take on Springfield of Christ the King. And if you win, you advance to the uh, basically the state uh, semifinals. Or you, won't, or you lose, you're done. And also in the 3A Paris Mayo Sectional Championship, Tatopolis advanced on to a state as they defeat Arthur in two sets, 25-21, 25-19. So Tatopolis advances to uh, Pena on a Friday to the state tournament against Morris Saratago. Saratago. I think that's how you say it. But uh, all those games will be on Friday. They're in the state tournament there. So uh, there you go. Three representatives. And we knew that we were going to have uh, – at least one with uh, two straws and Paris Crestwood matchup. But all three teams advanced last night in eighth grade volleyball. We do have some high school baseball on a tap for today. Uh, Lawrenceville is supposed to square off against uh, North Clay. Uh, Neoga is supposed to host Totopolis. Uh, Shelbyville is at Brownstown St. Elmo. Tri-County at Windsor's Two Straws. And uh, Sullivan hosting Cumberland. And Newton is scheduled to travel to uh, Flora today as well in a softball we got altamon hosting uh, carlisle st anthony at robinson and marshall at dietrich north clay hosting uh, st elmo and a newton traveling to flora in softball as well so uh, there you go high school baseball season and the softball season and getting underway today so we'll definitely be looking out and i mean right now probably a little chilly but at least the sun is out, so I don't think they'll have any problems with the uh, weather uh, today. Not sure about the conditions of the fields. Maybe a little wet, but uh, hey, at least it's uh, sunny outside right now. And you'll deal with those cold temperatures here at the beginning of the season. But hopefully uh, those temperatures will turn north very, very soon. I'm ready, and I'm ready for spring. All right, so let's turn the page to the NCAA tournament and the play-in games. They're going to be again tonight as they're in Dayton, Ohio. As tradition, the first four, it's a SEMO scoring off against Texas A&M Corpus Christi at a 5 of 40 on a true TV. And then following that game, it's the right to be the 11th seed. It's Pittsburgh scoring off against a Mississippi State in this one let's give you some background information on these games and these four teams uh simo of course uh, they have uh, come along and had a magical run in the ohio valley conference tournament to uh, uh get this out large bid 19 and a 16 on the season uh our simo and they uh finished down the stretch there were two and five in their last seven games in ohio valley conference play but they put it all together in the conference tournament what we love about march making a cinderella run to the championship and ended up winning as they're led by chris harris and a philip russell in that uh, conference tournament they both averaged a uh, combined 38.2 points per game and this is the only second ever birth for SEMO in their school history so you know that they want to be more than just fill out a bracket they came here to win on the other side is Texas A&M Corpus Christi they got three top returners from last year's tournament squad and they've lost only just once since 
January 21st. Last season, the Islanders connected on 32% of their three-point attempts. Well, this season, they improved that. They shot 40% from beyond the arc this year, and they also are the Southland Tournament champions, and they were first in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency in league play, according to Kim Palm. And that offense and defensive efficiency, according to Kim Palm, you're going to be here a lot. You're going to hear me I'll talk a lot about that in these preview of these games. So uh, basically, it doesn't matter with these 16 seeds. I'm sorry, SEMO. Sorry, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. You're going to lose to Alabama in the, uh, when you match up technically in, I guess, first round, second round. I still don't know what to call these things. But uh, that's who they're going to be uh, losing to is the number one overall seed, Alabama. So spoiler alert for my picks later coming up in the south bracket. And also uh, the uh, Pitt and Mississippi State game, uh, they're part of the Midwest bracket, and the winner will take on Iowa State in the uh, next round. And Mississippi State, this is the first year with the Bulldogs for uh, New Mexico State. Coach Chris Janis, as he led the program to its second NCAA tournament appearance since 2009, the Bulldogs started the season off 11-0. And that included a win over uh, the regular season champ Marquette in the Big East. Well, then they went one and eight over their next nine games, and then they finished eight and three to close out the season. So I'm seeing a lot of the with these previews, and also knowing about what we know about Illinois. A lot of these teams are Jekyll and Hyde, and a lot of streaks. Within this season, I'm finding out. Uh, they did finish the regular season, like I said, 8-3. and three. They beat TCU, Arkansas, Texas A&M, and Missouri. Good wins, all of those. And uh, one uh, bugaboo for Mississippi State, they're the worst three-point shooting team in America. Yes, worse than Illinois, as they're 27.3% from beyond the arc. So, that is not good for Mississippi State. Pittsburgh on the other side, Coach Jeff Capel, he has saved his job after four straight sub-500 seasons and no tournament appearance. He also had has had some off-court issues as well with players that he was dealing with this season, but he has responded with a top three finish in the ACC standings and its first trip back to the NCAA tournament since 2016. Panthers held their ACC opponents to a 47.4% clip inside the arc, and that's good for third. And it also finished second in offensive efficiency in ACC play. Pitt does have some good wins on their resume. Maybe Virginia and Miami, both co-ACC champions, but a head-scratching loss. They lost at Notre Dame in a crucial matchup that they're thought about uh, that would determine some postseason play. But, hey, they're here, and uh, I think they were one of the – obviously they were one of the last four teams in here in the first four. So uh, Mississippi State, Pitt, what's going to win out? Worst three-point shooting team in America or a, a team that uh, shot 47% inside the arc on the other side of for Pittsburgh. Panthers against the Bulldogs and a SEMO. Looks like the Hawks. Against Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. And hey, because it's the first four, because it's the start of the NCAA tournament, technically, we got some entertainment on these games tonight as well. As I'm going SEMO plus three and a half in this one to get the victory. And I also have over one of 33 and a half. I see some other sports books have it over under 133. But uh, the sports book that I was looking at this morning had it 133 and a half. I'm going the over. Life's too short to bet the under. So that's what we're going with here. 133 and a half for the Pitt and Mississippi State game. If you want a prediction, uh, Pitt will win the game. An extra bonus. If you're filling out brackets for me, I would have bonus points for if you fill out the first four. But not all brackets do that. And I can see how some people don't fill them out. So that wouldn't really be fair. But, hey, I'm making the rules in uh, this one. 
there. All right, I'll run through my bracket picks for the South Bracket coming up here in just a little bit. But wanted to hit up on some other national sports. Wanted to hit up on the NBA first. The Pistons, they beat the Pacers last night in 117-97. T-Wolves over the Hawks, 136-1 to of 15, despite Trey Young's 41 points. Minnesota gets the dub. He over the Jazz, 119-1 to of 15. Marketing goes off for 38 points in the four-point loss for the Jazz. The Grizzlies, they beat the Mavs, 104-88. to And the Rockets, yes, the Rockets beat the Celtics. 111 to 109. Uh, Brown goes off for 43 points. And uh, Tatum missed a, a game, a tying opportunity there, but uh, unfortunately missed the shot for Boston. So kind of a head scratching loss for the Celtics. But hey, Houston picks up the win. 16th win on the season. Yeah, the Warriors beat the Suns 123 to 112. And uh, 33 points for Clay Thompson in the first half. How many points did he finish with if he had 33 in the first half? Well, he had 38. <laughs> Don't know what happened there in the second half, but Golden State still ended up winning over Phoenix. And it was the uh, Bucks getting the win over the Kings, 133-124. Giannis with a double-double, 46 points, 12 boards for the Milwaukee win. Game's going on tonight in the association. Cavs against the Hornets. Pistons against the Wizards. Nuggets, Raptors, Lakers, Pelicans, Nets, Thunder, Magic, Spurs, Bucks, Suns, and Knicks against the Blazers tonight as well. All right, let's take a look at the NHL from last night. As my computer loads up here. Monday, let's go to the Avalanche, 8-4 to four over the Canadians. My goodness, that is uh, four goals in the first period. My goodness for Colorado, they win that and the over easily hit. Uh, Sabres, they beat the Maple Leafs 4-3. to three. Austin Matthews had a couple points, a goal, and a two assists, but could not pick up the win over Buffalo. Stars five to two over Eric's Kraken there last night, and that was it from the NBA or in the NHL. Only three games on the ice last night. Coming up tonight: Jets, Hurricanes, Capitals, Rangers, Lightning against the Devils, Golden Knights against the Flyers, Canadians, Penguins, Red Wings, Predators, Bruins against the Blackhawks. So good luck tonight, Chicago. Not really. I don't mean that at all. Senators against Edmonton. Uh, Flames against the Coyotes. Stars, Canucks, Islanders, Kings, Blue Jackets, and uh, Sharks. So only three games last night and a ton on the docket for tonight. All right. Uh, since Eric's here, I can uh, talk all I want about the uh, World Baseball Classic. As uh, yesterday, the uh, Dominican Republic, they beat Nicaragua 6-1. to one. I'm not sure if I reported on that. Uh, on the show or not. I think that was one of the two early games, but maybe not. Uh, the upset, Great Britain. They picked up the win over Columbia, 7-5 to five yesterday. Great Britain with those generic uniforms and prospects galore. And only one player born in Great Britain. They still end up winning uh, 7-5 to five over Columbia. So Columbia eh, might be in a little bit of trouble there in uh, their pool. Uh, also, we had a perfect game yesterday in the World Baseball Classic. And I know Eric would probably say, would it even count? Not only is it in the World Baseball Classic, but it only happened in eight innings due to the mercy rule as it was kind of a walk-off uh, perfect game there as well. Uh, Puerto Rico ended up winning over Israel 10 to nothing, and uh, they uh, did not give up a, a single hit in the game and obviously didn't have any errors either so uh, there you go Puerto Rico combining a for a perfect game as four pitchers combined for that perfect game there so Puerto Rico how about that never happened in the world baseball classic before and it happens yesterday with Puerto Rico and also as I reported yesterday or at the top of the show uh 
USA all over Canada, 12-1. to And I'm going to be honest with you all, I uh, got back from the gym late last night and I turned on the game and I was ready to watch it and I saw that USA already was leading 9 to nothing. So I was like, all right, I'm good. I know we need some extra runs for run differential, possibly with some tiebreakers, but I said, nope, I'm good. And uh, USA ended up scoring three more in the uh, second inning and uh, for their 12 spot, including uh, Mike Trout home run. And they had a uh, their little celebration that they do, a little salute that they do. Uh, Trey Turner also went deep in the uh, second inning. Uh, and, hey, uh, Tim Anderson goes two for three, a triple, and an RBI. And uh, so uh, Lance Lynn, pretty good outing, five innings. Miles Michaelis came in in relief and uh, finished things off and uh, finished the uh, final two innings there. As, uh, again, it was a mercy rule game as they only played uh, seven innings in uh, this one. Of course, you know, we don't play with the new modern rules, but we do play with the uh, mercy rule uh, games of what if they lead by 15 runs in the fifth inning or more, it's over. And if they win by 10 or more in the seventh inning, it's over. And we mercy ruled Canada. So uh, USA picking up win a number two. And so we're still in good position in uh, pool C. And already Venezuela leading uh, Nicaragua as I'm recording here. And uh, coming up here in just a little bit, Canada trying to bounce back against uh, Colombia later today. And that's a pivotal game for both squads, both one and one. So we'll see how that works out because um, who knows? Mexico, they might slip up. Great Britain coming off that win yesterday. And uh, Colombia, they beat Mexico to start off the pool and so who knows nine o'clock tonight they're in arizona it's great britain against some mexico all important game for team mexico and also sandwiched in there israel scoring off against the the dominican republic there as well and that's the action for today and a bright and early five o'clock tomorrow or five o'clock this morning i guess wednesday Wednesday morning, I guess you'd say. They're already starting the quarterfinals. That's right. Australia and uh, Colombia, they will be uh, matching up already in the uh, quarterfinals in uh, Tokyo as uh, Cuba won a Pool A due to that five-way tiebreaker. And Australia is the runner-up in a Pool B. So they'll match up at 5 a.m. right and early in uh, Tokyo. That's not even on FS1. That's off on FS2. And then on a Thursday at 5 a.m., uh, winner of Pool B, Japan, will take on the runner-up in Pool A, Italy. Significant for uh, the next couple of days for USA and Mexico. Mexico has to win this one uh, tonight. And uh, they also have to have a strong showing against uh, Canada. So that's a pivotal game for both teams as Pool C still up for grabs. That's where the United States are. And they'll close out pool uh, play for the U.S. And by the time that their game happens, they'll know what they have to do or if that game doesn't mean anything due to run differential or whatnot or due to some tiebreakers if they still need to win this game. So you like that from that aspect that the U.S. knows exactly what they need to do in their game on uh, tomorrow night at 10 o'clock against Columbia. And if it's a must-win game or if you don't really need to do very much or maybe you've already clinched it uh, because it's important because the uh, runner-up of Pool C will take on the winner of uh, Pool D. And uh, that could be uh, Venezuela easily if they end up running the table. And then the uh, winner of Pool C would take on the runner-up of Pool D in the uh, quarterfinals and the quarterfinals begins on a Friday. So not a lot of time. And also you got to travel across the country as the quarterfinals are taking part, taking place uh, up top with uh, pool a and pool B in Tokyo. And then the uh, quarterfinals are taking place in a uh, Miami. And of course this is just a one and done single elimination style tournament as you win you advance you lose you go home from this point on so 
of course, the uh, championship uh, concludes already on the uh, 21st. So next Tuesday, the championship of the World Baseball Classic. All right, so uh, looking forward to uh, the uh, games uh, for the USA uh, tomorrow. I might check out the Mexico-Great Britain game uh, tonight. Uh, I'll definitely be uh, checking out uh, Japan, uh, probably the highlights of that one at 5 a.m. Thursday. So uh, maybe a long day for you if you want to get up and watch some World Baseball Classic and then maybe you took the day off on a Thursday. That would be smart if you did that. I, I do know some people that work their schedule around the uh, NCAA tournament so they can sit and watch it all day. If you did that, hey, good good foresight on you there. All right, speaking of March Madness, speaking of the uh, NCAA tournament, I'm going to run through the brackets right now. Let's run through the uh, bracket in the uh, south because that's where the uh, number one overall seed Alabama Crimson Tide is. So I'm going to scroll all the way through, and I'm going to give you my picks here for the uh, tournament and the uh, picks for the uh, bracket. And uh, we're starting off with Alabama matching up with either Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, or SEMO. Already gave you the info on them. Alabama, of course, uh, they're the number one overall seed, and they're led by Brandon Miller. You know what he's done off the court being involved in that transportation of a murder weapon with a former teammate and he's also the SEC player of the year he's a projected lottery pick 19.6 points per game and he's also 41 percent from beyond the arc in Alabama only two blemishes only two losses in SEC play and of course they end up winning the SEC tournament as well and uh, then the 8-9 a matchup oh well I guess I should uh, go ahead and say, make it official. Alabama's winning. Doesn't matter if it's against Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, or SEMO. Uh, Alabama advances on. Uh, they'll take on the winner of Maryland and West Virginia in the 8-9. Maryland, you talk about a home versus away. At home, Maryland has uh, a, a great resume. They have wins in dominant fashion over Purdue, Indiana, Northwestern, and Illinois. And only UCLA managed to defeat them there at their home place. While on the road, Terrapins are 2-9 and nine in true road games. Uh, Jameer Young, of course, leads the way for the Turtles. He's one of four players on the roster, averaging double figures. So, uh, is this game in Maryland? No, it is not. So, does that bode well? For the Terrapins, I do not think so. West Virginia, they uh, uh, finished ninth in the uh, Big 12 preseason. Or they were projected ninth in the uh, Big 12 preseason poll. But at home, they were also good. The Mountaineers beat TCU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Auburn, and Kansas State. And they also have a good road win against Pittsburgh. But they are 7-11 in a Big 12 play at one point, and they lost six of their last seven games during that uh, stretch where they're 7-11. So ugh, maybe both of these teams have good home records. Uh, but I'm going to go West Virginia here because it's not the game is not played in Maryland at the Xfinity Center. So I'm going to Mountaineers here in that one so the nine over the eight first seed upset there uh we'll go with san diego state the five seed from january 14th to march 4th the aztecs lost only twice matt bradley made 40 percent of his three-point attempts last year and uh, san diego state they uh, struggled to begin the season but they found their stride in a mountain west play so uh, they have been playing better as of late they're up against the number 12 seed, Charleston. And uh, Charleston, man, they are pretty good. As well, They have 30 wins on uh, their resume on the season here. They are 31-3. I think that's the most in uh, college basketball this season. Uh, but Charleston, they live and uh, die from uh, beyond the three-pointer. They're shot 47% of their field goal attempts 
are three-pointers, and they made 33% of those. Hey, we know a little bit about uh, teams jacking up three-pointers, don't we? Uh, and they only have two losses since November 11th for Charleston. So uh, 12 versus 11 is a popular upset pick here. And I will go with the uh, Charleston as uh, they're going to top San Diego State in this one. So I already got the 9 over the 8 and the 12 over the 5. The next matchup is Virginia scoring off against the 13 seed Forum. And Forum is a popular upset pick as well. The four seed of Virginia. They may not be uh, Tony Bennett's teams of old, but they definitely are a, a veteran group. They do have four uh, players in a double figures or around that mark. And, of course, they beat Illinois this season, and they were pretty impressive uh, back then. But one bugaboo for Virginia is at the charity stripe. They're the worst free throw shooting team under Tony Bennett since 2013. And they only shoot 70% as a squad. I don't think that's bad, but it is the worst free throw shooting team under Coach Bennett there. The 13 seed of Forum. They have four players on the roster averaging double figures. It won its 15 conference games in the Southern Conference by an average margin of victory by 16 points, and they won five of those by 20-plus points for Forum. So, again, popular upset pick here as uh, they are pretty good, but I don't think they're good enough to be a Virginia and basing off a game way back when against Illinois, but I'm picking Virginia to get the win here. No upset here in this one, but wouldn't that be something if the 12 and 13 matchup in the round of 32, uh, we got a Creighton and NC state Creighton, the sixth seed. And, uh, they picked up, they were projected to be the, uh, big East conference champions in the preseason but they started off three and eight made people question that decision and they had a six game losing streak as well since 11 and three in their next 14 games after that rough start and uh, the blue jays also finished first in defensive efficiency according to kim palm in the uh, Big East play this season and they'll take on nc state Another team that are Jekyll and Hyde. What team is going to show up? A team that beat Duke by 24 points in January or the one that lost to Clemson by 25 points on February 25th? And also a thing that you can't predict and that you can't go against most of the time, NC State celebrating the 40th anniversary of winning the national championship with Jim Valvano. And that's right, a team that I just picked. Not too long ago, last week in our snake draft of the least deserving teams to win a national championship, they're celebrating the 40th anniversary of that. So I think that says a lot, and that could uh, be a nice little storyline if the Wolfpack advance on. Uh, well, five Wolfpack players are averaging at least nine point two points per game and they don't turn the ball over that or they turn the ball over uh once every 10 possessions in acc action and it's also allowed 50 percent uh plus clip inside the arc so uh, again which nc state team will show up and i'm gonna pick the one that got blown out by clemson by 25 so i got creighton winning this one no upset here Number three seed of Baylor against uh, 14 seed at uh, UC Santa Barbara. And the three seed of Baylor, they usually are a veteran group built on a defense for Coach Drew, but uh, not the case this year. Uh, their best player is a freshman, Keaton George, as a 16 points per game is what he averages, and he is projected to be a lottery pick as well. And he scored 20 points in or more in 12 games this season. LJ Cryer is 42% from beyond the arc. Flagger also 41% from beyond the arc. And also a nice little storyline is that the final four this year, where is it at? Well, it's in Houston. And that's three hours away from the campus in Waco for the uh, Baylor Bears. One thing that you don't like is I think this was down the stretch. I don't think this was the full season, but they're 90th. In defensive efficiency, according to Kim Palm, ooh, that is not very good uh, as of late for the uh, Baylor Bears. 
They are against the 14 seed UC uh, Santa Barbara. Uh, they're led by Arizona former Arizona assistant coach Joe Pasternak. As uh, this year, 27 and seven is UC Santa Barbara, and uh, that's the best stretch of his six-year ten- tenure there. Uh, they shot 56.4 percent from. Uh, twos and they enter the NCAA tournament on a seven game winning streak including winning the uh, Big West and they also have the uh, Big West Player of the Year Ajay Mitchell and he is averaging 16.4 points per game with Mitchell on the floor of the season this team has committed turnovers on just 15% of his possessions so they take care of the basketball well but they don't have a, a good win on their resume that could suggest that there are any bracket busters this time around. But who knows? They might just be a, a sleeping giant. But I don't think so. I don't like it that they don't have a, a good win on their resume yet. And Baylor might be bad in, de- in 90th in defense efficiency. But I think it still is good enough to uh, beat uh, UC uh, Santa Barbara. We'll see how far they go, but uh, as of right now, I have Baylor getting the win over UC Santa Barbara. Uh, then the final two matchups in the first round in the seven, the Mizzou Tigers. Of course, Dennis Gates, he convinced Kobe Brown to stay at Missouri instead of transferring. And the all-SEC first-teamer, 15.9 points per game, 46 points or 46% from beyond the arc, and what he had a career high against Illinois in the bragging rights game. And uh, last year, Mizzou was 12 and 21, and now this year it's the second NCAA tournament appearance in uh, three years. They have other victories besides Illinois on their resume: Kentucky and Tennessee. And they entered the SEC tournament on a four-game win streak before being bounced by Alabama in the semifinals. They're going up against Utah State. As This is significant when I was doing research for this. Uh, their coach is former UMBC coach Ryan Odom. And Coach Odom is the one that uh, was the coach of that team that upset the number one overall seed of Virginia there as a 16 seed. So that is a very significant uh, to me and a very intriguing storyline if Utah State makes a deep run in the tournament. Now, he didn't take over immediately after that run. Uh, he waited a, a couple of seasons, and uh, he, had, he took the job last year. He had 18 wins, but this season... 26 wins for Utah State, and that uh, led the program to its third NCAA tournament appearance since 2019. And all May Mountain West first teamer Stephen Ashworth leads the way for Utah State. And also, they're the best defensive team inside the arc in Mountain West play. All right, so this one's easy. I can't pick Mizzou, so I'm going to go Utah State, and I do believe that they can get it done there against the Tigers. So sorry about you, Mizzou. You're getting bounced in the first round. And then the final first-round matchup, Arizona, the two-seed. They lost three of their best players from last season, and you thought that that might be a drop-off. Well, it wasn't quite a a drop-off. They still ran that same offense that – was successful last year, 38% from beyond the arc, 56% in a side it. They play a fast-paced offense. Defense has been a bugaboo in recent weeks from February 1st through the end of the regular season. Arizona was 79th in adjusted defense efficiency there for the Wildcats. They'll be taking on Princeton, the 15 seed. A good storyline here is that Mitchell Henderson, or Mitch Henderson, is the head coach there, and he has connections all over the place with Princeton's past tournament appearances. He was on the team the last time the Tigers made the NCAA tournament in 1998, and that was a stretch where they made it three in a row from 96 to 98. And then Coach Henderson returned to the program as head coach in 2011, and he led them to the dance in 2015 after a six-year drought. So five 
NCAA tournament appearance for Princeton, all with connections to the head coach of Mitch Henderson as a player and a coach. After Princeton shared the Ivy League regular season title with Yale, they won the tournament championship over Yale to secure the win over the two rivals there for Princeton. And I, when I heard about the story about Princeton and the connections with the coach with the uh, past NCAA tournament appearances, I thought it was a nice story. And, man, if they weren't matched up against Arizona, I would pick them with an upset here, but I just can't do it over Arizona. I love the Wildcats. I loved them last year. And, hey, if they didn't drop off too much last year after uh, losing Matherin and a few of those other players that they had, uh, hey, it didn't seem like they slowed down a bit. So I am going to go with Arizona to win that one. All right, so let's just go on, and I'm gonna gonna pick my first leg of my final four here: uh, Alabama and West Virginia matching up in the round of 32. For me, I got Alabama advancing on there. Uh, then uh, the uh, 12 seed of Charleston against the four seed of Virginia, and I really, really want to pick Charleston here, especially if they get hot from beyond the arc, and I would not be shocked. If they did pull the upset in the first round and then they went ahead in the round of 32 and pulled the upset over Virginia. But I'm going to go here and play the smart play. I'm going to go Virginia uh, gets the win. Creighton against a Baylor. I also would love for the Blue Jays to win. And I think that they are a very dangerous six seed. But I don't care about the 90th defensive efficiency. When I saw Baylor play against Illinois, they were a really great squad. So uh, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't be shocked if Creighton pulls off the win here. But I, for my purposes, I'm going to pick Baylor in uh, this one. And then uh, the uh, 10 versus the 2, Utah State versus Arizona. Sorry about you, Utah State. I already talked about my love for Arizona. So uh, I got to go with the Wildcats. Moving on to the uh, Sweet 16. So in my Sweet 16, I got Alabama, Virginia, Baylor, and Arizona. Hey, that's not very fun in March. And you know what the craziness that March can bring. Well, people can kind of get swept up in the upsets. But that's why a lot of people's brackets get busted is that they go chalk like this. But I... I think these are the four best teams and should, should, I know what March brings, but should be in the Sweet 16 in this bracket. And so up at the top, Alabama, Virginia. I'm going to go Alabama in uh, this one. I think they just got too much talent all across the board for Virginia, and maybe those free throw shooting will come back to haunt them. Baylor and Arizona, I love this matchup. I would really want to see this. And again, I uh, love Arizona, but I'm picking Baylor in uh, this one. I'm hoping that uh, they can carry it all the way to the Elite Eight for me. And so I got Alabama matching up with Baylor in the Elite Eight. And I got Alabama. I know. It's not very going out on a limb or anything, but I do think that Alabama is going to come out of this bracket. I do think that they are the uh, best team in this bracket. I'd love to see it if it was Alabama versus Arizona, but I'm going to go the safe route. It's always safe to pick two uh, number one seeds to advance to the uh, final four. So my first uh, number one seed advancing into the final four in my first half of the bracket is Alabama. Roll, tied, rolling to the final four in Houston. Coming up or coming up tomorrow, I'm going to pick the East and the Midwest bracket. That's right. I'll save the West for Thursday's show. And I'll make sure to pick the West. Or the, yeah, the West. I'll make sure to pick those games before the other games tip off there. So, Definitely check out the World Baseball Classic tonight. Big game for Mexico. And uh, check out the uh, first four games as well. Again, we're going SEMO plus three and a half for entertainment purposes. And over 133 and a half for Pitt and Mississippi State. But look out for SEMO to pick up the win. Like I said, I'm going to pick them three and a half. But I like them to win outright. And I like Pittsburgh 
to win outright as well. All right, so I think that I have gone on enough here, folks. I'm almost gone on an hour, and people are like, all right, Travis, breathe a little bit. I think I only took one drink during this entire time, during this entire 10-year bub. Hey, you just turn the red light on, and I'll just go, and uh, that's what I love about this. No, I'm all gas, no brakes on uh, this one. So I am going to get out of here, and I will be back tomorrow, though. And, again, I'll give you the picks for the East and the uh, Midwest brackets. Don't forget to join our bracket challenge over on ESPN, the starter lineup, 989, and also on our website. We have a link directly to uh, that uh, bracket challenge and join up and see how you stack up against my bracket and you'll see it eventually so i don't care that i'm revealing it too early and if you want to cheat cheat off me go right ahead i went chalk in the uh south bracket it's probably not going to happen but i guess we'll wait and see that's the beauty of march right (laughs) all right so i'm gonna get out of here Thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks for downloading. I'll be back for you tomorrow in the pod. Peace. Peace.